You're listening to a podcast from BJSM. Welcome to this BJSM podcast, which is an overview podcast. The idea of this one is for you to have the benefit of Paul McCrory sitting in your living room and uh, to just give you an insight as to which of the review papers associated with the concussion uh, consensus document you might be particularly interested in. We realise that BJSM listeners are busy and uh, people have different interests and so Paul's going to guide you through these different review papers which you can see on the contents page in association with the IPHP issue related to concussion. So Paul, um, you hardly need an introduction but I will say that you're a fully qualified neurologist, you're a sports physician and uh, you're at uh, University of Melbourne, you have a PhD in neurology, you have over 300 papers and you've just launched this new concussion consensus statement. Congratulations on getting all that done. Thank you, Karen. So we've got the listeners and they're deciding, they can only look at two or three of these review papers and they're going to decide which one on the basis of your menu choices. So you're like the waiter and you're going to make us, uh, help us make choices from this menu. So if we start with the menu right at the top though on the um, BJSM homepage, there is a consensus document which we're going to move on from and as part of that, there's the SCAT-3, the skull, the child SCAT-3 and the pocket CRT. It sounds like a fancy Formula One motor. What are those three documents? Well, the pocket CRT or concussion recognition tool is probably the most important of those for most listeners. It's basically a guide to making a quick diagnosis on the sidelines, um, a series of questions, um, uh, the list of symptoms and also the um, features that you might look for on the on the sporting field. So it's a pocket card um, which makes it easy then to carry with you to sporting grounds and you can make a rapid diagnosis um, very quickly. The SCAT 3 itself is really designed for doctors and it's a four-page um, document which contains a clinical pathway of how to manage concussion from start to finish. It gives you advice, it gives you the examination tools, provides the information uh, to be able to do those and record the information afterwards. At the end of the document there's a tear-off page which is the head injury instructions for the um, athlete concerned. So really it's, a, it's the total package if you're looking for a quick simple um, medical record for your injured patient. The child SCAT 3 is basically similar to the SCAT 3 but it's designed for kids 12 years old and under. So it just has some language that's more simple for children and um, covers the same basic grounds. It just it also has uh, space for parents to give their input into whether they think there's any problems with their children. Um, but the aim is the same, to provide a complete record and a complete uh, guide, clinical pathway to the management of concussion in those age groups. So just to reiterate, the pocket CRT is the, is the lay tool, the SCAT-3 is the medical tool, and child SCAT-3 is the medical tool for the under 12-year-old kids with concussion. And we're going to have a dedicated message for parents and, and athletes um, as a separate little podcast. But just to reiterate that point then, in terms of this um, CRT, that's something that um, parents should consider becoming familiar with or athletic yeah. trainers. Or who, who's the target audience for that CRT? It's, it's really lay people and community. So parents, coaches, trainers, uh, anybody in the sidelines, referees, umpires, um, who just want a, something in their pocket that they can make a quick diagnosis with. So it's meant to be simple, it's meant to be quick, and then if they make the diagnosis, they can pull that uh, person off the field and send them to a doctor for a more detailed assessment. 
and some people will get twitchy about the word diagnosis, but um, how are you using that term in this sense with a parent making a diagnosis? Well, we're using it in the sense that they suspect that that's what it is. The diagnosis is then confirmed by the doctor. So, Paul, let's move straight on to the reviews. There are these 12 reviews which you and your team have worked very hard on to provide, I think, the foundation for the contentious document, really. So tell us about those and then we'll go through one by one in terms of what the benefit is um, for folks to read them. Um, the idea of the reviews is uh, the 12 reviews are the systematic reviews that we did before the consensus meeting so that we had all the evidence when we sat down for the meeting to discuss. So they're up-to-date summaries of each particular area. So there are 12 areas and the 30 or so authors who are involved in the panel discussions uh, each did part of those reviews. So the first one is talking about the, the lowest threshold, and this is really to try and get some clarity into the sideline diagnosis. When you've got somebody who's not knocked out or not obviously concussed, and you're trying to work out whether the symptoms may or may not be part of that diagnosis. So trying to lock in that really subtle injury. So for people on the sidelines, this is a really important issue because that's where a lot of the decision-making process occurs. The second review is the day of injury assessment and that is looking at the quality of the various sideline tools, uh, be they the SCAT or other ones, the role of some of the neuropsychology tests and trying to put some science to what you use on the sidelines. A number of the papers, this one and the um, SCAT 3 paper, really were the basis for developing the SCAT 3 and making it more scientific and more rigorous. The um, third paper is the on-field assessment um, with a concussion adult athlete. And again, it's about ensuring that the accuracy of the tests, the tests that are used, are the best that we can possibly have. And that information fed directly into the SCAT 3. As did the next paper, which is uh, a really good job that Kevin Guskowitz uh, oversaw, where he took the SCAT 2, looked at all the studies that have been done on that in the last four years, and then took the information from the previous uh, reviews to help provide the backing for the SCAT 3, uh, which I mentioned earlier. Okay, so we've got through the first four papers in those reviews, and uh, we're moving on to really neuropsychological assessment and factors like that? Yep. The neuropsychological assessment, again, is looking at both who should be doing the assessment how it fits into the diagnosis and what tools are best. And the bottom line with this is that neuropsychology is important, but it's not the sole basis on which you diagnose, make the diagnosis. So it's a useful tool for clinicians to uh, be aware of and utilise as part of their, their management strategies. The next paper is what evidence exists for the new strategies or technologies in the diagnosis of sport concussion and assessing recovery. As people are aware, there are so many new tools on the market or you read about in newspapers and trying to make sense of the science and where they fit into the scheme of things is really important. And this summarises all those different tools, whether they're sideline tests, electronic gizmos, um, brainwave tests and so forth. The bottom line is none of them are really suitable for uh, current sideline use at this point in time. The next paper is the effects of rest and treatment following concussion. And this um, paper really looked at whether resting people for several days after an injury was the most useful and the best way of treating people. And it turns out that it's not. It's good to rest people for 24 hours or so just in that very acute stage, 
but then you start moving them around and doing things depending on their symptoms. So it brought home to us that we need to use symptoms as the most important guide rather than enforcing people to rest totally for days on end. The next paper is a difficult concussion patient and that really relates to the, the uh, patients who've got symptoms lasting more than 10 days. And this is where you really need a multidisciplinary approach with doctors, physios, exercise, physiologists, neuropsychologists, all of whom bring their expertise into the management of these difficult patients to try and minimise long-term problems. The most important uh, treatment in that group is probably developing the submaximal exercise program so they're not deconditioning and sitting around for weeks or months on end as used to be the case. We're actually getting them moving and active as part of a rehabilitation program. The next paper is revisiting the modifiers, which were the clinical uh, points that were raised in the last meeting in 2008 that might influence your management. Things like how many injuries you've had, uh, whether you've got a history of migraine or learning deficit, history of depression and so forth, all of which add to the clinical information when you're trying to work out the best ma management paradigm for a patient. So going through all those in a systematic way really kind of highlights a whole range of things that influence the clinical management itself. The next paper is looking at um, the best risk reduction strategies, things like rule changes, uh, protective equipment such as helmets and mouth guards, uh, strength and conditioning, the whole scope of things that to try and reduce the number of concussions. And the most effective things seem to be the rule reduction where there's a clear mechanism of injury. Um, more than anything else. The protective equipment, while it works in some sports, is not all that useful across the board and in young children has the potential risk of risk adjustment or risk modification where kids think that they're protected and play more dangerously, get more injuries as a result. So one has to factor that in when considering uh, protective equipment use. The next paper is looking at the chronic concussion-related changes in retired athletes. This is the entity of chronic traumatic encephalopathy, or CTE, which has been in the media. And the bottom line in this paper is really that we don't fully understand why a very small percentage of athletes do poorly in the long term. It's not simply related to concussion. There's more to it than that, but we don't fully understand that at the moment. And this paper reviews all that evidence. This was quite a discussion in the panel um, at Zurich where we had a number of people from the Boston group who have been very intimately involved in this research trying to come to some sort of consensus about what we currently believe. And the last paper in the reviews is from consensus to action. It's about knowledge transfer education and influencing policy. And this really has been driven by the Canadian group who've done fantastic work with the Think First program in Canada getting out, doing road shows, town hall meetings and so forth. But at the same time, there's also a big emphasis on social media, such as Facebook, Twitter and so forth, about getting the message out to the community. So from all 12 reviews, we've really covered an enormous area of concussion and in one place you've got an up-to-date, well, 12 up-to-date state-of-the-art reviews about the whole gamut of concussion. And all of these reviews feed into both the SCAT tools as well as the consensus statement, which is the overarching statement in this whole package. Fantastic, Paul. You can have a media career. You've done that beautifully in one take. You've, uh, listeners, it's easy to follow if you just scroll down the page on the BJSM 
home site and go through those 12 reviews. That's the order that you'll see them on the, on the page. Paul and I were scrolling through them as he was uh, doing that overview for you. We'll leave this podcast there because we know it's uh, good to have a short podcast when you're at a gym or out on a run. And uh, look at the other podcast from Winner May Wissom that talks about concussion in detail. We'll have Paul talking on a podcast for parents and uh, athletes, just a take-home message from the consensus document. And uh, follow BJSM on Twitter. Their handle is at BJSM underscore BMJ. And that'll guide you to recent updates and new advances in sports medicine that you can follow easily. For more information about this program and other BMJ Group podcasts, please visit bmj.com.